Hello and welcome to the faculty interview. Covering the latest breakthroughs, research news and insight, delivered by the world's leading academic and industry figures. In this interview, Peter Walton discusses company voluntary arrangements in detail, and explores the outcomes when they fail. Company voluntary arrangements are an interesting uh, corporate rescue mechanism, in that uh, in terms of all the different possible mechanisms available in the UK, it's only really um, CBAs which are genuinely designed to try and pay off at least some of the debt that the company owes. So companies frequently go into liquidation, frequently go into administration, um, and, and sometimes in liquidation and quite often in administration the business is rescued. Uh, but the people that don't usually get a fair shake in those circumstances are the creditors. So it's rare that creditors get much, if any, sort of dividend from those procedures, whereas a CBA is designed to both turn the company around, so its, it's sort of primary aim is to rescue the, the, the company as, as it is, but also to at least make some payment to, uh, to its creditors. And so uh, it, it's really the, the, most, the most sort of reasonable and, and, and fair way of dealing with a company which has fallen into a state of financial distress. So um, the reason why we were keen to do the research on CVAs was because we think it's probably the, the most impressive type of rescue mechanism available in that it tries to rescue the company and at least pay some of the debt off, if not all of the debt off, to, to its creditors. So, so um, why aren't they used more often, really? So we were looking at um, uh, a, a sample of CBAs and, and, and looking at various other aspects of CBAs. So what we were very keen to do was to try and figure out um, why they're not used more often, and when they are used, why do they not appear to be as successful as one would hope? And so um, if they could be... Uh, amended in a certain way to make them more um, favourable to, to all the stakeholders, if they could be deemed to be more of a success, um, those are the sort of things we were looking to try and isolate and, and, and make recommendations on the basis of. CBAs in theory are quite um, a straightforward mechanism in that the court isn't involved or shouldn't get involved normally in the process for a CBA, so it's done outside of court. Essentially what, what the statute talks about, what the Insolvency Act talks about is the directors of the company approaching an insolvency practitioner with a plan, with a proposed draft CBA, with a plan to try and turn the business around, turn the company around, uh, to convince the creditors to support that plan. Um, and the idea is that the, the, the nominee insolvency practitioner will look at that draft and will give his or her opinion as to the feasibility of it. Uh, and if the insolvency practitioner thinks it's uh, uh, got a reasonable chance of being um, approved by the creditors and implemented, then the insolvency practitioner will go ahead, uh, call meetings of the shareholders and then call meetings of the creditors. And if at least 75% of the unsecured creditors approve the CVA, uh, then it's given effect to. So, um, so there's no court involvement unless there's a problem. So some creditors might complain about it being unfairly prejudicial or there's some procedural irregularity, in which case um, they've got the right to go to the court to complain about those things. But assuming everything's been done properly and the creditors are largely happy with the agreement, then uh, it's, it's relatively quick, relatively cheap, because there's no court involvement. Um, and then the insolvency practitioner becomes the supervisor of the CVA, and that supervisor then does, as the name suggests, supervises the, uh, uh, the, 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 the implementation of the CVA process. And then if the CVA falls over for whatever reason, uh, so if the company can't keep up its monthly installments or whatever the CBA talks about, then the supervisor will normally have the power to take steps to uh, terminate the CBA, and usually that involves putting the company into 
uh, liquidation. So, so that's so if 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 the, if the thing is a success and everybody gets paid out according to the terms of the CBA, then as soon as the term of the CBA is over, the supervisor um, files a return at company's house saying it's been a success or it's been implemented, um, and then the the company just carries on. Uh, without the CBA hanging over it anymore, so it's completely rescued, it's completely turned around its fortunes. So uh, that's that's in outline uh, how the procedure works. So there's there's no court involvement unless there's a problem. It's supervised by a, a licensed insolvency practitioner, uh, but it's essentially down to the directors to come up with a plan, and for the directors to implement that plan. Um, one of the one of the one of the um, problems that directors have there in, in in doing so is they normally don't have the knowledge or experience to come up with a plan, so they usually lean heavily upon the expertise of the insolvency practitioner in terms of drafting the, the CVA in the first place. But uh, with that assistance, that's the, it's the director's proposal that's given effect to. It is possible for a company that's in administration to, uh, or, even in or even in liquidation, to, to, to suggest or propose a CVA, but those cases are fairly rare. So in nearly all cases, uh, the company is still alive. It's not in any uh, administ administration or liquidation process, and it will be the directors who are making the proposal. One, one of the things we're very keen to do with the research was to try and look at CVAs uh, from every possible angle, I suppose. And so we're very keen to look at a large <coughs> number of individual CVAs and follow those through. So the, the sort of the, the main strand of our research was to look at every CVA, corporate CVA, which began uh, in 2013. Um, and so there were 552 CVAs. And so what we did was we looked at all the uh, filings at Companies House in relation to those CVAs and followed through the subsequent history of the company. So we followed through as to whether or not uh, the CVA had been implemented, whether or not it had been terminated early, whether or not the company had entered into some other uh, insolvency process um, after the CVA had been uh, terminated, if that were the case. And so um, what we did was we looked at several data points in terms of <coughs> Um, the sort of size of the company, the type of business, uh, which were the insolvency practitioners that were supervising the CBAs, looking for sort of patterns as to uh, whether or not particular um, business sectors or sizes of company or, or if there were any other characteristics which, which pushed um, the odds on it being a success more than, than, than being a failure. And so we were looking for patterns in terms of uh, uh, whether certain CBAs were more likely to be successful than others. Um, and, and we did that by looking at all, the, all of the CBAs from one year. We chose 2013 because we needed a period of time to elapse so that we could follow through the subsequent history of all of those companies. So that was the sort of main part of our research, looking at a large bank of CBAs and following them through and doing some analysis of the results there. We were also very keen to, to find out what the practitioners, the insolvency practitioners who were supervising these CBAs thought and so um, we were um, fortunate to be able to do a survey of the profession. And so we did a survey of insolvency practitioners, which was a very well responded to survey. And so we got some feedback in terms of what the practitioners themselves thought were the good and bad aspects of CVAs and what things could be improved. Uh, in addition to that, we also conducted a number of interviews with other stakeholders. So we looked at um, talking to secured creditors, some of the banks, we looked at talking to lawyers, we looked at landlords and, and unsecured creditors, and so we tried to interview uh, pretty much everybody who had a, an interest in uh, how CVAs operate to see what their views were in terms of uh, whether or not there were any sort of 
uh, weak spots or particular pinch points that they thought could be looked at to improve it. So um, with all of those things, we thought we were looking at CVAs in the round, and so hopefully the research didn't sort of miss anything. Uh, and the other thing we did was we were looking at uh, partly UK government proposals to improve corporate rescue, uh, but also looking internationally to see what other countries were doing, uh, looking to see what the World Bank regards as best practice in terms of uh, corporate rescue, and also looking to see what the, uh, the EU was doing in, in, in this area. <clears throat> and so uh, by looking at all of those different aspects, we were hoping to come up with um, some suggested recommendations as to how CBAs could be improved. We, we, we were rather hoping for some sort of um, uh, sort of silver bullet to appear, and it would be, it would be really obvious to us um, where, where CBAs could be improved. But, but as, as with most things, most things, every case to some extent turns upon its own facts. And so although um, we came across a number of interesting cases, um, the, the, the statistics sort of told one story, um, but then drilling down into the detail of, of, of each individual CBA um, didn't necessarily always help us reach um, a complete consensus on every issue, uh, but it did show there were certain recurring themes. And so in terms of our analysis, um, there was no real pattern to the types of company that entered into CBAs. Um, and so um, we looked at the different uh, different sizes of companies, different types of business where, you know, there were certain types of business, certain business sectors where um, companies, um, there were more companies entering CBA than in other business sectors, but there was no real pattern as to whether or not they would be successful or not. So although there were quite a lot of manufacturing companies entering into a CBA, um, that didn't guarantee that the CBA would be more successful than the average or, or less successful than the average. And so there was no, there was no sort of... Um, there was, there was no sort of perfect type of CVA in a perfect business sector with a, with a sort of perfect company of a certain age or whatever. So um, looking at all of that data um, didn't really help us um, come up with any, any, any sort of rock-solid uh, suggestions. And so um, it, 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 our analysis ended up um, with uh, certain conclusions from looking at um, all of those CVAs. And it boiled down to largely the same sort of the, the same sort of uh, issues cropping up. So whenever um, we had a CVA which had terminated early, uh, one of the things which we were um, partly surprised about, but also it was an intriguing finding, was just because it terminated, people would usually assume that that meant it was a failure. Because, and, and on one level, it is a failure because it hasn't been implemented according to its terms. Um, but some of these CVAs were running for several years and were still paying a significant dividend to the creditors. Um, and, and the point there is, even if it's not a complete success, it's a qualified success in that almost certainly the creditors were getting more under the CVA than they would have done uh, had the company gone into liquidation initially. And so um, whether a CVA is deemed to be a success or a failure isn't quite the sort of binary question that we'd, we'd first anticipated it being. So early termination obviously doesn't mean it's been 100% successful, but it still might be a qualified success in that creditors might get something uh, more than they would have done if the company had just gone straight into administration or liquidation. So, um, so our analysis um, suggested that uh, there were some qualified successes even where there had been early termination. Some of the other things that uh, we came across were um, there, were, there were a number of um, CVAs where the company had had a bit more time to think about its plans um, by way of, um, of having a moratorium on actions beforehand. So there was a stay on creditor actions, giving the company a bit more planning time. 
Um, and we found, although it, that was a relatively small part of the, the overall uh, number of CVAs, uh, we found having a stay on actions was a positive thing in that the companies which had that stay had that breathing space to consider the drafting of their CVA tended to have more successful CVAs than those companies where there was no such stay. So, so that was sort of a positive thing. Um, there were a number of kind of negative bits and pieces kicking around. One of the things which uh, was, a, was a common theme running through a lot of the CBAs was that um, uh, HMRC, our revenue and customs, were often seen as unsupportive of CBAs and that they would vote against CBAs even in circumstances where they were being promised a very high dividend and they would rather accept uh, a reduced or, or, or reduced dividend or nothing in a liquidation than vote in favour of a CVA uh, for what appeared to be sort of policy reasons rather than commercial reasons. So, so there were a number of issues around different types of creditors being supportive or not being supportive, but HMRC was one of the ones that seemed to be um, uh, quite often voting against CVAs when uh, commercially um, it might have been more sensible for them to support it. Um, some of the other um, bits and pieces that we came across, um, because there aren't really that many CVAs every year, um, quite a lot of insolvency practitioners um, only do one or two of these CVAs a year. So they tend to help with the drafting of these things. Um, and because a lot of, uh, a lot of CVAs um, will be just the, just the one CVA that an insolvency practitioner does in that particular year, uh, we thought there was a case for um, a, standard, a form of standard terms and conditions, or at least some form of standard term, uh, which would assist insolvency practitioners who are less experienced in the area uh, to advise and to draft on, um, uh, uh, on what um, should go into a CVA and, and, and should be drafted in a certain way. Um, we found a lot of CVAs were drafted to last five years, um, and that tended, in our view, to be too long, um, in that quite often you have a company that's only been in existence for sort of three or four years, and then to expect it to be paying back its historic debt and surviving for another five years um, was probably just too optimistic, really. And so a lot of CVAs were promising too much to their creditors over too long a period of time. Um, and that was an unrealistic expectation, and they would have been better off going for a shorter period, promising less money to the creditors, which would still be more than the creditors would get in a liquidation, and therefore um, it would still be a, a, a success, but it had more chance of being fully implemented uh, had, it, uh, had it been um, sort of less gung-ho about what it could promise its creditors. And so the, sort of the, the, the time, the, the, the period in which the, the CBA was being drafted, the, the, the um, uh, would, would be more sensibly reined in a bit. So rather than going for five years as a standard term, looking at three years or less and promising less than 100% to the creditors. The other, the other big thing, the other big theme that came out from the analysis of the CVAs is quite often the CVA would fail uh, because the directors um, either didn't make the changes which they promised they would make in their CVA draft uh, or the promises they made uh, just weren't significant enough, so they didn't really change the business plan. So if you've got a business that's, that's become insolvent uh, and you're trying to rescue that business, if you don't make some changes to that business, so if you don't introduce new capital or change the management structure or change the business plan in some way, um, chances are you're just going to repeat the same uh, experience that you had before. And so we found that that was quite a common theme, that CBAs weren't 
uh, as dramatic in terms of, what, uh, of, of making the changes that were probably needed in order to turn the business around. In terms of the duration of, of a CVA, we recommended that, generally speaking, uh, unless there was a good reason otherwise, CVA should last no longer than three years. Um, part of the problem with CVAs is that the directors maybe aren't making the, the, the difference, uh, the, the, the changes that are needed uh, in order to create uh, a, a more um, efficient business when the company enters into that CVA. And so we thought a, a clearer articulation of the director's duties uh, as a company approaches financial distress would be helpful so that they would address the issues earlier, have more time to come up with a sensible plan to turn the business plan around. Um, one of the issues that cropped up quite a lot from our interviews was that the nominee's role um, wasn't necessarily as, 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 as trusted as it might be. So um, one of the things that um, we found was the nominees, the insomnia practitioner who was approached by the directors, uh, he or she uh, would often help in the drafting of the CBA. And obviously the problem you then have is if the nominee is giving his or her opinion as to how effective um, the, the CBA is likely to be, if he or she has helped to draft that CBA, um, it's likely that they're going to give a positive view of it. Whereas um, some of the uh, unsecured creditors and landlords certainly, and some of the secured creditors are of the view that the nominee's uh, opinion in those cases is not as objective as it needs to be. And so um, one of the things which we thought could be um, clarified would be that the, the role and duty of the nominee and then the requirement to be objective and give an objective opinion upon the draft CVA and make sure that the draft CVA is as good as it can be. Um, returning to the point about HMRC, uh, we felt that there was a real public policy involved here and that CVA should be encouraged because, as I said at the beginning, CVAs really are a really honourable way of trying to deal with your debt burden. So you're trying to pay off as much as you possibly can. You're not just going into administration or liquidation and wiping away all your debt. You're actually doing your best to, to sort your debts out. And so we thought there was a good po public policy reason why HMRC should support CBAs wherever possible and only to, to refuse to support a CBA uh, if they give a good reason for, for, for not supporting it. Uh, one of the problems... Um, with, with HMRC, according to a number of the interviews that we carried out, was HMRC often don't uh, engage until the last minute in the process and don't give reasons as to why they vote against the CVA. Um, in terms of um, allowing the company a bit more time to prepare a, an effective CVA, we thought it would be a really good idea to introduce a form of pre-insolvency moratorium. So before the company formally becomes insolvent, it knows it's heading in that direction, have a short stay, a short moratorium on actions by its creditors for um, sort of 28 days or something along those lines so that it's got time to plan an effective CBA without creditors enforcing their rights against it during that time. Um, and, and that's very much consistent with uh, international um, uh, developments and international recommendations in the last few years. Uh, one of the other things which I mentioned before, again, is uh, we thought it was a good idea, especially for small company CBAs, to sort of cut the costs and to ensure uh, a certain amount of consistency uh, was to introduce a standard form of terms and conditions so everybody got used to, uh, uh, to, to that sort of thing. So I think those, those would be our sort of main findings, our main recommendations from, uh, from the research. The, the, the main conclusions and implications would be that 
if we want to have a system which encourages companies to pay their debts or at least pay as much of their debts as they can feasibly do, but also to rescue those companies so that those co companies carry on in business after they've managed to reach some agreement with their creditors, we need to support the CVA process. Um, we can't just rely upon um, putting the company into liquidation or administration, wiping away all of that unsecured debt, allowing the business to be sold on free of that unsecured debt to a new buyer, often the same people that were running the company before, so connected party sales. Um, that is not um, a, a commercially reasonable thing to be doing. We want companies to have responsibility for their debts, and the CVA is the best way, certainly in terms of our legislation at the moment, the CVA is the best way in which companies can take responsibility for being financially distressed and to try and reach a reasonable and sensible um, agreement to pay off as much of that debt as they can with their creditors. But we need for those CVAs to be feasible, we need them to be realistic and we need them to be supported and we need people to have confidence that the CVA process is something which they should have confidence in. So they want to be able to trust the insolvency practitioner. They want to know that um, the CVA itself is reasonable and feasible and it's the best result they're going to get and it's going to be better for the creditors than a liquidation or administration. And from the company's point of view, um, it's got to be important to the directors and shareholders of the company that this is a better bet than administration or liquidation. So we think CVAs are an underused resource and they could be used more and more creditors would be happy, more businesses would be saved if CVAs were uh, improved in the way that we've suggested. Mm -hmm.